Good morning. I want to share the word of the Lord with you here in just a moment. Um, but this is the first Sunday of December. So before we get into the message today, I want to remind everyone the first Sunday of every month is what we call Bible Mission Sunday. And uh, we believe here at Calvary Tabernacle that this is the word of God, that it is powerful, that it is life-changing. It's not just another book with good ideas or, or great philosophy, but it is the holy, inspired word of God. And so we believe in taking it to the very ends of the earth. And uh, we, we here at Calvary Tabernacle have been blessed as a congregation and blessed as a church uh, financially. And I believe that the reason for that is so that we can be a blessing to those that have a financial need. And so we've, we've identified two different uh, ministries and two different areas where we can pull together our resources and give to two wonderful organizations that are helping to get the Word of God translated into languages that it has never been translated into before. It's kind of hard for us to believe. I, I forget how many different versions of the Bible we have in the English language, but there are countries all across the world that have never had any version of the Bible in their language. And uh, so there's a wonderful group of people uh, that is uh, kind of being spurred on by version, which if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, it's those guys uh, that are helping to get the Bible translated into uh, languages all across the world. And uh, we have been helping to give to that organization as well as uh, Voice of the Martyrs, who are helping to take Bibles into countries where it's illegal for the Bible to be possessed. And uh, so they're taking Bibles and smuggling them through uh, country borders uh, to Christians and believers in countries where the Bible is restricted or completely illegal and helping to get the Word of God in the hands of our brothers and sisters that we might not ever get the chance to meet someday, but who are so so hungry and so desperate to be able to have the Word of God in their hands so that they can read it and gain wisdom from it, just like we uh, do every single week, uh, every single day, hopefully. Um, and so I've got great news. So far, we started this at the beginning of June, and since June, we have helped uh, fund the smuggling of 685 Bibles into countries where it's restricted or illegal, 685 Bibles. And that may not seem like a, a, a big deal, but I, I try to come up here and help us remember every single month that this is a big deal because there are people all over the world that are risking their lives to get the word of God across these borders. And for the believers that are within these borders, this is a life-changing moment for them. Uh, we have also helped to fund the translation of 109 verses of Scripture into another language, which would be uh, just a little bit more. The, the book of Philippians is 104 verses long. So it would be the equivalent of us translating the book of Philippians into another language that's never had the Bible in their language before. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I know that our brothers and sisters in all these other countries are thankful too. And like I said, you you may not ever get the chance to meet them, uh, but they're very real people in very real places, and they are very, very grateful. I want to share one quick story with you uh, from Voice of the Martyrs. I'm just going to read it to you. It says this, he had only been a Christian a few days before beginning the Bible distributions that led to his arrest. Now shackled and chained, Polani sat in a prison cell where the heat sometimes exceeded 100 degrees. 
But for Polani, going to this prison was worth it. Being introduced to Jesus had transformed his life. Polani had once wandered the streets of his village caring for little more than his next drink. But when his brother, a pastor in the country of Laos, invited him for a visit and shared the gospel with him, his life changed forever. After placing his faith in Christ, Polani stopped drinking and began telling others what Jesus had done for him. He also started praying for the sick in Jesus' name. And he says this, I was astonished to see many people healed after I prayed for them. And we know, this wonderful testimony this morning, we know that our God is a miracle-working God. He is a healing God. And it's not just here in our little corner of America, but it's all across the world. When Polani returned to his village, he met with a local pastor and asked him how he could serve in the church. The pastor asked him, can you get Bibles from your brother? And so Polani did get the Bibles and immediately began giving them to fellow villagers. This Bible distribution and praying for the sick was all new to me, he said, so I was excited. A village leader, very unhappy about Polani's new Christian faith and work, confronted him and told him he could no longer talk about God or distribute Bibles. He said, you are a fraud and a drunkard. And he scolded and added that Polani should be should not be persuading people to follow a foreign religion. But Polani didn't stop talking about the good news, however, and three days later, the police arrested him at his home. In prison, police beat him and demanded to know where he got the Bibles. And during the third interrogation, they offered to release him if he would only deny his faith and tell him where all of the Bibles were. And he refused and was beaten even more severely. Polani saw three people die from starvation and poor medical care in the overcrowded prison, and he said, our legs would cross each other while sleeping at night. It was so crowded. After two months in prison, he was released, and now Polani's prayer, listen to this, his prayer is to get more Bibles and more training and to be used by God to advance his kingdom, even though he knows it could lead to another arrest at any time. This is the reality of a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ all across the world. They are facing persecution. They are risking arrest, imprisonment, uh, torture, death. And they do it with a willing and a glad heart. And their only desire is, we, we just need more Bibles. We just need more opportunities to share this wonderful message. And so we here at Calvary Tabernacle believe that, that it's, it's more than just something nice that we could do. But this is something that God has called his church to do, to support one another, to live in unity with one another. And uh, so this is a great way for us to do that. So I would encourage you, if you have the ability uh, to give above and beyond your tithes, every first Sunday of the month, uh, we take all of our offerings that are given and uh, we put all of our offering into these two organizations, as well as a couple of our local missions organizations here in Cass County as well. Uh, so I want to encourage you to do that, to support and to be united with the body of Christ in this, uh, in this mission. So thank you so much for, for loving and forgiving the way that you have. And uh, we believe that God's going to do some incredible things. And we may not ever get to see the fruit of it, but we know that he's a good God. And we know that he's working mightily. Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We're going to be looking in, uh, more specifically, Acts chapter 16. 
Acts chapter 16, and I want to thank Brother Billy and Sister Peggy for giving me the opportunity to share their pulpit and to uh, share with you what God has put on my heart this morning. I'm excited about the Word of God. Uh, the last time I spoke, we, we talked about praise. We talked about praise. And uh, we looked into uh, the book of Psalms, and we noticed that there are seven Hebrew words that are used uh, whenever we read through our English Bibles, we see the word praise. Well, if you look into the Hebrew translation of the Bible, there's actually eight different, I'm sorry, seven different words that they use whenever they describe praise. And each one of these uses is, uh, describes different things. If you wouldn't mind putting that slide up there for me, please, Taya. Uh, we've got the word halal. Yada, Toda, Zamar, Tehillah, Barak, and Shabak. And all of these things that we see here, all of these Hebrew words for praise are all expressive things that you do with your body, with your voice, with your hands, by the way you prostrate yourself on the ground, by the way that you lift up your voice to sing, by using an instrument to praise. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, there's Seven different words that tell us that praise is not just a feeling in our hearts. It's not just an idea that we have in our minds. But praise is an expression. It comes from inside of us outward. And uh, I, I love that so much. I, I hope that you were here. If you weren't, you can find that message on our um, website. And I would encourage you to do that because that would kind of give you a little bit of insight of what we're going to be talking about today. But I do want to say this. This is what praise is not. And if I could be pastoral for just a moment, step on your toes just a little bit. Praise is not sitting in a pew. Praise is not standing with your arms folded. Praise is not staring at the ceiling while the worship team sings and, and plays. Praise is an expression. This is God's design. It's his way. It's his preference. It's not a Calvary Tabernacle thing. This is God's design for worship, that praise would come from our hearts, but that it would come out through our actions. Come on, church. And so, if, again, if I could just maybe step on a couple toes just for a moment. I've heard some people say, well, I praise God in my heart. And God knows my heart. And, and I would say this with all the love that I have. God does know your heart, and he's not deceived. And he knows that there is a reason uh, they, that someone might give for choosing to withhold their praise, and it's never a reason that honors Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. I want to spur you on. I want to redeem praise in the church again so that we are the most vocal, the most expressive believers that are thankful for what God has done, for what he's doing now, for what he's going to do, and for who he is. Come on, church. Praise is not just a feeling. It's an expression. It's an expression. So this is what I want to talk about today. What is the purpose of praise? What is the purpose of praise? Because I've, I've heard, uh, not, not personally, but I've heard, you know, different places on the Internet and, and uh, different areas of, of, of church and people coming into church, and they, they'll say, well, why would God demand our praise and I think a lot of people assume that God is this egotistical tyrant that just wants to control us. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you better praise me. You better worship me. But listen, the purpose of praise is not just to glorify God. We know that that's, that's a purpose of praise. But 
another purpose of praise is, a, is something that we can benefit from ourselves. He doesn't just require and command. He commands our praise, by the way. And he doesn't just command it because he's an egotistical tyrant. But he commands it because praise is good for us. It's good for me, and it's good for you. And if you were here last time I, I preached, praise is natural. We do it all the time. We praise our families. We praise our football teams. We'll praise our dog. We praise all kinds of things. Why can't we praise the Lord, church? Come on. So the title of today's message is this. Give me one good reason. Give me one good reason. Why should I praise? Give me one good reason. I actually want to give you three today. Uh, but let's read in Acts chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse 22, Acts 16, verse 22. It says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced. Because they all believed in God. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. That your word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. And God, I pray today that as we dive into your word, that you would illuminate our thinking, that you would illuminate uh, our, our hearts to be open to receive your word, God. That today as we leave, that we would not leave here with the same mentality that we brought in, God, but that we would leave ready to change our lives and ready to change the world that we live in. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen. Come on. Here's point number one. Why should we praise God? It's because praise reminds us that he is good. Praise reminds us that God is good. And I don't know about you, but every now and then I need a reminder that God is good. 
We, we know we've come to church, we, we've been different places, we've talked to our grannies, and, and they will tell us that God is good. But sometimes life doesn't feel good. <laughs> and sometimes we need a reminder that God is good. See, Paul and Silas, they're praying in this prison, and, and that sounds tough enough on its own to me. If I was in prison, it, it wouldn't be, prison isn't the place that you think is the most likely place for a revival service to break out or for uh, prayer meetings to be held, or, or praise and worship to just, you know, fill the prisons. That's, that's not what you typically think of. And, but here's Paul and Silas. And the Bible tells us that they were praying and praising. Praying and praising. But let me give you a little bit of the backstory here. In Acts chapter 16, just a few verses earlier, it tells us that, Paul and Silas had planned to go to Asia to preach the word of God, but the Holy Spirit forbid them from doing it. And so they thought, well, let, let's, let's travel to Bithynia. And so they started on their way to Bithynia, and they're traveling from town to town to, to get to Bithynia, but the Holy Spirit prevented them from going there too. And so one night, Paul, he's asleep, and he has a dream that there's this guy from Macedonia and in this dream, this guy from Macedonia is saying, hey, come and help us. And so Paul wakes up, and Luke tells us, Luke, he penned the book of Acts, and Luke tells us that we just assumed that this was God calling us to go to Macedonia. And I love that. Sometimes as Christians, it's, it's hard to understand the will of God, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what he wants us to do. I mean, Paul and Silas, they, they make this conclusion, hey, this, this must be God. <laughs> Let's just try it and see. And they step out and they go to Macedonia. And they're in Macedonia for a couple of days. And as they go down to this place of prayer to meet with just the few believers that could have been there in Macedonia, it's a, it's a Roman uh, empire area and it's a, a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of heathens, a bunch of people that don't believe in God. And uh, so they thought, well, they, I guess they must have heard that maybe... Some believers met down by the river, and so they go down to the river, and, and they meet this woman named Lydia, and uh, she, her life just gets turned upside down, and, and uh, she just praises and worships God, and she's this wonderful woman. Uh, biblical historians believe that she became one of the leaders of the church of Philippi. Um, later on, Paul would write to the Philippians, uh, which is this church right here, but this is years down the road, and and uh, so one day as they're traveling kind of back and forth in Macedonia, this little girl who's possessed by a demon starts to follow them around. And she starts to tell everybody, like she's just following Paul and Silas. She starts to tell everyone, hey, y'all listen to these guys. They're going to tell you how to be saved. And Paul, eventually he gets so frustrated, the Bible tells us, that he just turns around and he speaks to the demon spirit inside this little girl. And he says, get out of her. And the demon leaves. Long story short, this little girl was a slave girl, and the master wasn't particularly happy about what Paul did because she was using this demonic spirit to help tell people's futures. And now that the demonic spirit wasn't inside of her, she wasn't operating in that, uh, that sphere of spirituality anymore. And so the, the master of this girl, he gets mad. And he stirs up this mob, and this mob takes Paul and Silas, and they beat him, and they throw him into prison. Think about that for a moment. Paul and Silas, they wanted to go to Asia 
to preach the word of God. They wanted to go to Asia. Holy Spirit said no. So they want to go to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit says no. And so Paul has a dream, come to Macedonia. And they say, hey, this must be God. Let's go to Macedonia. And just shortly after they get there, they're taken, they're beaten severely, Acts chapter 16 tells us, and thrown into maximum security prison. The Bible says that the jailer put their feet in stocks. And at this time in, Roman, in the Roman Empire, stocks were not just something to keep you from running away. Stocks were also used as a form of punishment. It was a, a wooden contraption that they would bind your feet in and it would stretch your feet so far apart that your legs would get cramps. And many of these stocks were put upright so that you were just standing like this the whole time. Your feet, your legs would get cramps and you couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't sit down. You couldn't fall over. I mean, you're just stuck in this position and it's incredibly painful. There's no rest. And this is, the Bible says that this is what they did to Paul and Silas. They put them in stocks in maximum security prison. I can imagine being Paul and Silas and being like, well, gee, God, thanks, you know. Like, we, we wanted to go to Asia and preach, you know. Why did you have us come here just to get thrown into prison? But that wasn't their attitude. Why? Because Paul and Silas knew how to praise they knew how to praise. And somehow Paul and Silas knew that their situation, as difficult and as evil as that situation around them may be, they understood that God was still good, that he was still worthy to be praised, even as they are beaten and bloody and wounded and locked in prison. They said, hey, we got a God that he deserves our praise. Let's start singing, Silas. Let's start singing. That's what praise will do for you, church. It will help remind you that God is still good. He is always good. Listen, your situation may turn from good to bad and from bad to worse and from worse back to good. Your situation, your circumstances may change, but God does not change. He is still good. He is still good. I love what David penned in Psalm chapter 100, verse 4. This is the most popular verse of Scripture during the Thanksgiving season, so I'm sure you saw it on a post on Instagram or something, but it's Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and praise his name. Why? Verse 5, For the Lord is good. I want to say this with all love in my heart. Your situation may not be good, but God is good and he always will be good. And he's deserving of our praise in every situation. The Lord is good. And I want to, I, my hope today is to encourage you that no matter what life is piling on top of you right now, God is still worthy of our praise. He's still worthy of our praise because he is still good. He's still good. I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, in looking at our circumstances and, and we see things that aren't favorable for me and we start to blame God. You know, God, why didn't you come through? Like, God, I prayed about this for so long. 
Why didn't that person get healed? You said you were the God of miracles. You said you were a healer. How come this person didn't get healed? God, how come this job opportunity fell through? God, how come me and my spouse are constantly arguing and fighting? God, what, where are you? Why, why aren't you helping me? And, and we just seem so lost and so broken and so undone, and we tend to turn and put that blame on God. God, you, if you're so good, why do good things happen to bad people? Well, can I tell you, we live in a world where there are bad people. I'm sorry, why do bad things happen to good people? Y'all knew what I was talking about. But we live in a world where there are bad people. There are bad things that happen. There are evil spirits the Bible says that, that we don't fight and wrestle against flesh and blood, but against evil spirits and dark, wicked places. That's the reality of where we live. But the promise is that one day, all of this will be made right. In the meantime, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Situations and circumstances are going to be hard, but God is still good. God is still good. I want to encourage you, don't get distracted by the bad and forget that God is still good. We see this with uh, Jesus' own cousin, John the Baptizer. See, in John chapter 1, Jesus is is walking up and and John points to him and he's the, the forerunner. He'd been anointed by God from birth to be the one to prepare people's hearts as Jesus would come and, in, and, and begin his ministry, John was to prepare their hearts for what Jesus would say and do. And Jesus is walking up towards John, and John's teaching a crowd of people, and he points to him, he says, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Just a short time later, Paul is thrown in prison because he points out a moral failure of the king. <laughs> the king has him thrown in prison. And John takes a couple of his students and he sends them to Jesus and he says, ask Jesus this question. Remember, this is his own cousin. Ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for or should we look for another? John is in prison. He had been ministering to people, hey, look, here comes Jesus. This is the coming Messiah. Get your hearts ready because he's about to start doing some pretty cool stuff. And then he gets thrown in prison and he's looking at the cell and the the prison bars and, and he looks at his situation and how he's fallen out of favor with political people and and he starts to question, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we've been looking for, or should we look for another? I want you to notice what Jesus did. He sent those two students back to John with this message. He said, tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Paul, don't lose focus of what's good just because you're in a situation that's so bad. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on me. There is good happening all over the place, John. And that's a tough word to hear. I can imagine being the Jesus being my cousin, and he's like, oh, hey, good things are happening out here. Sorry about your luck. <laughs> But listen, Jesus says, don't lose your focus. 
life is going to be hard. There's going to be trying times. There's going to be tribulation. But God is good. And what praise does in our lives, church, is praise helps us to take our focus off of ourselves and to put it back on God. To put it back on God. There's a quote by, uh, they, they call him Brother Andrew. And he says this, torture, pain cannot hurt you if your heart is in heaven. <laughs> pain on this earth will not hurt you if your heart is in heaven. He's saying this, let, let the world do whatever it wants. I, it doesn't matter one way or another to me because my heart's already in heaven. My heart's already with him. And if my heart is with him, you can't do anything to my body that's going to be any worse or any greater than that. Like this is the pinnacle of living with our hearts focused on Jesus. Come on. I love what David said in Psalm chapter 71, verse 12. David's in a pretty rough spot, and he says, Oh, God, don't stay away. My God, please hurry to help me. How many of you, just be honest, how many of you have ever prayed that prayer? God, please hurry and help me. Bring disgrace and destruction on my accusers. Humiliate and shame those who want to harm me. But I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. I love David. I love reading the Psalms and, and seeing the heart of David because he doesn't sugarcoat anything. I mean, he just, uh, he, you know, excuse my language, but, you know, David's like sometimes, you know, life sucks. But God, you're good. I'm going to worship you anyway. I'm going to bring you praise anyway. My life is, is really not in a good spot right now, but you are good. And I'm going to keep telling others about how good you are. And nothing's going to stop that. If we could only grasp this idea of praise, church, our lives would feel and look and be so much different. Come on, why should we praise God? Give me one good reason. It's because praise reminds us of who he is, and he is good. Praise will take the focus off of yourself and put it on God. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. Why should we praise God? It's because praise gives us his perspective. Praise gives us his perspective. Here's Paul and Silas, and they're thrown into maximum security prison. This is after Peter had been thrown into prison, probably years earlier. And as Peter was in prison, shortly after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the church comes together to pray for, for Peter's release. He was scheduled to be executed the following morning. And as Peter is asleep in the prison that night, at perfect peace, all of a sudden someone comes and just slaps him in the ribs. Peter, get up. Peter opens his eyes, but he thinks he's dreaming. It's an angel. The angel says, put on your clothes and follow me. And Peter and the angel, Peter had been chained to a prison guard, but I guess whenever he wakes up, he notices, ah, this is a cool situation. All of a sudden I'm not chained to this dude anymore. And so the angels just follow me. And so Peter just 
gets up. He, he assumes he's dreaming. He just starts walking, just following this angel, and all the doors of the prison are opening before them on their own. And, and Peter and this angel, they just walk straight out. And Peter turns around to, to look at the angel, and all of a sudden the angel's gone, and Peter's outside of the prison like, wow, that's pretty neat. He finally comes to himself, and whoa, whoa, hang on, wait a second. God just broke me out of jail. <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> And I can imagine Paul and Silas, they've heard this story. This isn't just one of those stories that they're like, oh, I forgot to tell you about Peter that one time in prison. No, this is a story that, that the church is, they're, they're replaying in their minds and they're repeating with their mouths over and over because it's a story of God's goodness. Paul and Silas no doubt had heard this story. And they're in a maximum security prison of their own now. And they start to pray and they start to praise. And all of a the sudden there's this massive earthquake. And a lot of critics would say, oh, that's just a coincidence. But let me tell you, I, I've been in an earthquake before in Indonesia. And uh, I don't think, just I couldn't tell you from experience, but I don't think that an earthquake would unlock handcuffs. It might rattle some things off of the walls and it might cause some damage to foundations or windows or buildings or, or whatever the case may be. It may cause a lot of destruction, but I don't see it unlocking doors and, and chains. The Bible tells us that not only was there an earthquake, but all of the doors in the prison, all of them whoosh, fly open, and all of the chains from every prisoner fall off. That's pretty cool. If I'm Paul or Silas, I'm looking around, seeing my prison door open, the stocks that had been holding my feet in such an uncomfortable position now just lying on the floor, and I'm free, and I look at the door. I can imagine if I'm Paul or Silas, I'm saying, thank you, God. You are so good. You have been so faithful. God, you break the chains of the oppressed. You set the captives free. I would look at everybody else in the prison and be like, hey, that's my God, and this is my cue. Adios. See you later. But Paul and Silas, they don't do that. They stay in prison. And this, this earthquake and this, this, the doors flying open, the chains falling off, must have been such a dramatic scene that it, it woke the jailer up who only had one job to keep prisoners from escaping. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, wow, I felt my job. He becomes suicidal and is about to kill himself. Think about this. Paul and Silas, they could have looked at that open door and said, God, thank you for opening this door in my life. They could have walked out of that door. They could have left that prison, but they didn't. Why? It's because whenever we praise and our attention has been taken off of ourselves and put on God, we aren't just looking for signs around us to know what to do. Mm. Can, can I? <laughs> this may hurt someone's feelings a little bit. I think so many Christians are so used to looking for miraculous signs because they've stopped hearing the voice of God. Mm. I think that, can I, can I encourage us and embolden us as believers? We don't just need to look for outward signs. We, we're thankful for signs. We, we serve a God of signs, wonders, and miracles. That's the God we serve. But not everything he does is a sign for you to escape your situation. We need to be able to hear and understand the voice of God, to know and to understand the will of God. Did you know that you can know the will of God? There's so many of us that say, you know, well, 
God works in mysterious ways. Did you know that's not in the Bible? <laughs> we, we think, you know, oh, you know, you know, 3 Samuel 2, 14, you know, God works in mysterious ways, right? That's not in the Bible. Like, I'm sure, sometimes God does things that we don't understand, but he gave us an entire book, church, literally wrote it down on paper so that we could understand the heart and the will of God. You don't believe me, just look. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to come across like that, y'all. Please forgive me. But I love this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does God transform you, church? you got to change the way you think. <laughs> then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans chapter 12 tells me that we can learn to know the will of God. And we as believers, if I can just, again, just be pastoral for just a moment, we need to, we, we should look for signs and wonders and miracles, absolutely. But we should never stop listening for the voice of God. And I don't know what happened in that prison that night after midnight. My parents used to always tell me that nothing good. <laughs> One time I said, well, actually, mom and dad, let me read, I had read this, and I was like, actually, let me read this to you. Uh, Paul and Silas got broken out of prison. My mom said, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, the doors were open, but they didn't leave. <laughs> it's like nothing good happens after midnight. I was like, but a jailer and his family got saved. She said, nothing good for you happens after midnight. <laughs> but listen, we can learn to know the will of God for us. And it's okay to look for signs around you. And sometimes God speaks through just signs. But we shouldn't look at every open door as an opportunity that, hey, I can, get, I can escape. I can get out of this place. We need to hear the voice of God. Because you know what? Sometimes he wants you to stay in a place that's going to be a little bit difficult. Because God isn't always, this might hurt a little bit. Take notes if you're if, take notes, write this down. God isn't always interested in changing our situations. Sometimes he just wants to change our hearts. And sometimes the situation is, might be what it takes for our hard hearts to, to get the message. God doesn't create the situation. God didn't put Paul and Silas in prison. A bunch of evil, a mob of evil men did. But God definitely said, hey, here's a good situation uh, that, that can help change a lot of things. And we get so caught up looking at our situations and thinking, God, you could just change this. God, if you could just do something different. God, if you could just help me out in this area. We, we look at our situation. We think nothing is good. And we assume that God maybe you, you say in your word you're good. But God, I'm having questions. I'm having doubts. But think about this from the jailer's perspective for just a moment. This is the best night of his life. Not the best night of Paul and Silas' life probably, I'm assuming. This is the best night of his life, and it changes not only his eternity, but his entire household's eternities. Because God is good. Even when our situations seem dark and seem like there's no hope on the horizon, and it may not look good for me, God may be opening the door, not for my escape, but that so that someone else can come in, so that someone else can be blessed, so that someone else's life could be changed. So what does praise do? It 
praise takes the attention off of me. Whenever I praise God, I'm, I'm not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about King Jesus. And whenever our hearts are on him, then even whenever things happen around us, we don't just have to assume that God opened the door for me to leave, but we're able to hear the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts. We're able to discern and to know, hey, that door might be open, but maybe I should stay here for a minute. Maybe God opened that door not for me, but for someone else. Come on, praise can change our perspective. Give me one good reason. Why should I praise God? Because praise reminds me of how good God is, and praise will give me his perspective. Here's the last thing. Praise brings us his peace. Praise brings us his peace. The jailer, he draws his sword to kill himself. So I think one of the most evil things that Satan has done is convinced people that their life would be better off if they just ended it. This man is suicidal. But because Paul and Silas didn't leave the prison, they were able to see this man in his lowest moment. And Paul says, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. This is amazing to me, church. I mean, I can kind of understand Paul and Silas. They're men of God. I can kind of understand them hearing the voice of God and staying in the prison when the doors flew open. But my Bible tells me that all of the prison doors flew open and all of the chains fell off. And it also tells me that there were other prisoners that had been listening to them as they prayed and as they praised. So this tells me whenever Paul says, hey, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. Listen to me, church. Even in the midst of a maximum security prison, God can do something inside of your heart, bring so much peace inside of your life that even though you're inside the walls of a prison, your heart is free. Come on. Whenever we praise, it brings us peace. It brings a peace that we can't explain. In fact... A few years later, Paul would write a letter to this church in Macedonia. Philippi is a city in this region of Macedonia. It's where we get the book of Philippians from. So Paul would write back to them later, and Paul is in prison or on house arrest again whenever he writes this letter, but in a different place. And he writes them this letter to this same church that begun probably with Lydia and this jailer. And this is what he says to them. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. That's prayer. And thank him for all he has done. That's praise. Those words, thank him, come from the, English, or from the uh, Greek, eucharistia which means grateful language to God as an act of worship, a.k.a. singing praise. Paul says, don't be worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and praise him for all he's done. Church, if we would learn to stop worrying <laughs> and just start praying and worshiping, just start praying and praising the living God, 
I want you to notice what happens. In verse 7, he says, then, then, once you start praying about everything, once you start praising God, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I love the testimony that, that Mrs. Starr brought to us. She said, on my birthday, 61st birthday, I prayed that it would rain. And she goes to work telling everybody, it's going to rain today. And we're in a dry and weary land. We, we just need some rain. We need some relief. And everybody's probably thinking, you've lost your mind. It's, we're in East Texas. East Texas. It's not going to rain today. But I love her testimony. It's just, yeah, it is. It's going to. Listen, that's the kind of peace that God can bring to our hearts. My situation may look crummy, but my God is good. And I've been in that place of praise. I've been in that place of prayer, and I've taken my eyes off of myself, and I've put them on him because he's worth it, because he's good, because he's deserving. And when we start to praise and when we start to pray, the peace of God is not just something we think about. I love what it says here. It says you will experience God's peace beyond your wildest imaginations, beyond anything you could understand. It's going to flood and protect your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you this? Why did Paul tell them that they would need God's peace to protect their hearts? It's because your heart is under attack, church. Your mind is under attack because we have a real enemy that really doesn't like you. But he says this, if you will praise, if you will take the attention off yourself and put it on Jesus, there's going to be a peace that comes over you. And it's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind so that no matter what you're going through, you're not going to be changed. You're not going to be disturbed. You're not going to be fretting. You're not going to be worrying. Why? Because you know how to pray and because you know how to praise. I want to show you what I mean. <clears throat> Got a little contraption here. God's peace is good. Can I just tell you, it's better than your wildest dreams. It is good, good. And even though your situation may be bad, bad, God's peace can completely overshadow that, completely overpower any chaos that we're going through. Listen, you can be in the middle of complete chaos and still your heart and your mind be at perfect peace. It's possible. Let me show you what I mean. This is just a little illustration to show you. This water right here represents you, represents your life. And this weird-looking contraption <laughs> represents uh, your circumstances, your situations, everything else around you. You can be in the middle of a chaotic situation, but if you keep your eyes, 
your attention and your focus on Jesus. It doesn't matter your position. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter your circumstances. God can keep you at perfect peace. Perfect peace. Not a drop spilled. Not a care in the world. Not a worry on my mind. Because I am living in God's perfect peace. I've learned to take my eyes off of my distractions. I've learned to take my eyes off of my situations and what's going on around me and put my eyes on God. And because of that, even in the midst of chaos, when life feels like it's going on a roller coaster, looping around upside down, just feel like everything around me is just going crazy, it doesn't matter because I'm at perfect peace. That's what praise will do. They'll say, hey, you can live at perfect peace. You can live to see another day. You can live to get through this situation. But even while you're in it, you're not going to be broken. You're not going to be hurt. You're not going to be destroyed. Because there is a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. If the worship team would come on up and lead us in worship this morning. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Church, we just have to take the attention, take the focus off of me and off of my situation and put our attention on Jesus. And you will experience the perfect peace that can only come from Jesus. So give me one good reason why we should praise, church. <laughs> There's three right there, and there I can think of a million more, too. <laughs> we praise because of who he is, and he is good. We praise because we are a people that need his perspective. And we praise because we are a people that live in a world that goes around in loops and we need perfect peace. And praise will bring that peace as we put our eyes and our attention on Jesus. If you would stand to your feet this morning. This is what I always challenge with our youth and with our kids. I always challenge them to do something practical. I'm a pretty practical person, so I don't just want to come to church and, and hear a message about something and then go away and, and not have a way to put it into action in my life. So this is what I want to encourage you to do this week. Here's your practical application this week. Take a moment every single day this week and have no other agenda but to praise God. I have come to find out in my short young life that in the moments of my life that are the hardest and seem the most difficult, if I will force myself to praise, as David did whenever he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me rejoice. He's saying, I don't feel like everything within me is rejoicing in God my Savior, but I will tell myself, 
I need to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He had to remind him. We're talking about one of the greatest worship leaders mentioned in the word of God. And he had to remind himself that, hey, I've got to praise. Right now, I don't feel like it. Right now, situations aren't the way that I would hope they would be. But if I will just push through right now and praise God, Lift up his name. Tell others about his wonderful deeds. When I talk about the goodness of God, all of a sudden your focus is going to change. And whereas you once were, were distracted and disturbed and, and, and confused, all of a sudden things become a little bit clearer because you remind yourself, hey, God is still good. And I may be looking at this one way, but he's looking at it completely different. If I would just praise him, I'm going to experience a peace that I, I never could understand otherwise. So this week, if it's just five minutes on your way to work, on your drive to school, whenever everybody's gone somehow miraculously from the house and you're the only one there, just take a moment out loud with your voice, declare the goodness of God. Praise his name and watch things around you start to change. Watch those doors start to fly off their hinges. Watch those chains that had you so distracted and confused and depressed start to fall off your wrists, off of your legs. Watch the goodness of God start popping up in little situations where you thought it was going to be completely impossible for anything good to come out of that. Just take a moment this week and tell God how good he is is, even if you have to force yourself to. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are a good God. Lord, we thank you that even though we struggle, even though we have difficulty, even though life happens to us without our understanding or, or without what seems to be a reason in the world for it to happen, God, even though the world seems to be just spinning around us and out of control, God, we want to live at perfect peace. We want to live with your perspective. We want to live with the knowledge that you are good. You always have been. You always will be. And so I pray that you would change our thinking, change our hearts, change our motives. Help us to get our focus and attention off of me, myself, and I, and to put it on the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who created, the one who sustains, the one who lives the one who died and came back to life again, the one who gave the most precious sacrifice so that I could be standing in the presence of God, whether I'm in America or a restricted nation, I can worship, I can praise, I can lift your name because you don't change, because you stay the same, because you're always good, because you are deserving and worth every moment of my attention and praise, God. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise together this morning. Oh, your mercy never fails me And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up 